So before we continue with the book, I wanted to give a quick disclaimer that I had recorded all of the chapters. However, they proceeded to delete on me. Um, so we're re-recording them now. Um, also, if there's any background noise, uh, like coffee barking, then I apologise. Chapter 6. I'd say you're kind of dark, but I'm writing to a girl who leaves letters in the cemetery, so I guess that's a given. You said you were wondering if my pain was anything like yours. I don't know. I don't know how to answer that. You lost your mother. I haven't lost mine. Don't you think it's funny how people say lost as if they were just misplaced? But maybe it's a different meaning of lost in that you don't know where they went. My best friend believes in God and heaven and eternal life. But I'm not sure how they feel about all that. We die and our bodies are absorbed back into the earth in some kind of biological cycle, right? And our soul, or whatever, is supposed to go on forever? Where was it before? My friend would die if he knew I was talking to you about this, because this is the kind of thing I would discuss with him. If I'm being strictly honest, I'm about ready to crumple up this letter and start over. But no. Like you said, there's some safety in writing to a complete stranger. I could fire up the computer and Google your mom's name and probably find out something about you. But for right now, I like it better this way. My sister died four years ago. She was 10. When people hear about her dying so young, they always assume we spent her last days surrounded by oncologists and nurses. We didn't. We didn't even know they were her last days. She was the picture of health. Cancer didn't kill her. My father did. I could have stopped her, but I didn't. So when you f- say you feel like the photographer, unable to do anything but watch, I think I know exactly what you mean. It's Sunday afternoon and I've been sitting in the sunlight for two hours. It's a popular day at the cemetery and I've watched mourners come and go all afternoon. I've read his letter 17 times. I read it again. He lost his sister. I think back to the first letter when he said, me too. He's thought of looking me up. Well, my mother. Considering I'm practically stalking out her grave to see if he shows up, I can't exactly hold them against him. He can use any search engine he wants. He won't find much about me. She had already built her name as a photojournalist before she got married, so she sure wasn't changing it. Googling Zoe Thorne isn't going to lead anyone to Juliet Young. My last name isn't even mentioned in her obituary. Zoe is a survived by our husband Charles and her daughter Juliet. Survived. This guy is right. The words we use to surround death are bizarre. Like we're hiding something. I guess the obituary wouldn't read right if it said something like Zoe died on the way home from the airport after nine months on assignment in a war zone, leaving her husband Charles and her daughter Juliet with a welcome home cake that would sit in the refrigerator for a month before either of them could bear to throw it away. So maybe we are hiding something. Now, I understand his inability to compare our pain. I'm an only child, so I can't relate to losing a sibling. 
Since my mother died, my father and I seem to orbit separate planets of grief, barely interacting unless strictly necessary. That said, I'm pretty sure Dad's not homicidal. He barely rates as conscious these days. Cancer didn't kill her. My father did. Four years ago, I racked my brain, trying to remember anything that might have been in the news about a father killing his daughter. Four years ago, I was 13. Not exactly the type of story my dad would have shared at dinner. And mom was a better source for the for world news, if she was even home. Mum could talk geopolitical warfare with heads of state, but local crime? Forget about it. Be- below her pay scale, she'd say. Wait. Four years ago, his sister was ten. That means she'd be fourteen now. Is letter guy an older brother or a younger one? Could I be exchanging letters with a 12-year-old or someone in his early 20s? Our conversations are too mature to be written by a 12-year-old. His letter is written on notebook paper, just like mine. That says high school or college. He writes in pencil, which makes me think high school, but I don't know for sure. 20 feet away, an older man is laying roses at the base of the gravestone. Sunlight reflects off the plastic. It's a waste of money because they mow the section on Tuesday, and I'm sure they chuck all the crap that people left leave lying around. That's why I've never left anything but letters. They chuck all the crap. The letters. The maintenance guy. What's his name? Mr. Melendez? Suddenly I feel exposed. Even though it's a Sunday afternoon and they never mow on Sundays. And ick. He's like 40. It can't be him, right? It doesn't feel like someone that much older. Besides, that age gap between a brother and sister would be unusual. Not impossible, but pretty rare. The man with the roses is leaving. He may have noticed me here, but no one ever really looks at me. I never look at them either. We're all united by grief and somehow divided by the same thing. My sister died four years ago. I'm such an idiot. That guy is probably a visitor and he all but told me how to find his sister's grave. She has to be buried near here. How else would he have found the le- my letters? I start walking the rows of greys, spiralling around, outward, looking for headstones that are slightly weathered. A few times, the year of death is correct, but not the age or gender. The grass crunches beneath my feet as I walk, and eventually reach the iron fence at the edge of the property. It's late in the afternoon now, and everyone has gone home to dinner or families. I'm alone, and I've walked a radius of at least 100 feet from my mother's grave. Well, out of the range, where a casual casual visitor could see a letter left under a rock at the base of a gravestone. Hmm. <clears throat> my, letter, my cell phone vibrates against my thigh, and I fish it out of my pocket, expecting a message from Rowan. No, my dad. He sent me a picture. I frown. I can't remember the last time he texted me. And a picture? I swipe my fingers across the screen to unlock his phone. The phone. It's the kitchen table. For a moment, I can't make out what's spread across it. Then it snaps into focus, and my heart stops beating. Her photography gear. All of it. He might as well have dug up her body and laid the skeleton on the kitchen table, and then sent me a photo of that. I can name every piece of equipment. If you show me one of her photos, I could probably tell you which camera she used. Her bags are hung with one of the chair backs, 
and I could smell the scent of the leather mixed with literal blood, sweat and tears from her assignments. Every time she came home, I'd help her unpack, and the weight of those cameras and the smell of her bags are wrapped up tightly in those memories. Every time, I expect, that last time. I haven't touched her bag since she died. I haven't touched them. Those are her things. Those are her things. She and I always unpack them together. She would tell me secret stories from her travels and we'd stay up late and watch a chick flick together after Dad went to bed. There's still an untouched pint of Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia in the freezer, almost unrecognisable under the ice crystals now. I picked it up to split it with her. I'll never eat that flavour again. He never cared for her stories. He never cared. And now he's touching her things. My fingers are shaking, sweaty. I almost can't hold on to the phone. A line of text appears beneath the photo. Ian offered to take these off our hands. He's coming over to make me an offer. Is there anything you want before I let him take it? What? I think I'm having a panic attack. Wheezing sounds choke out of my mouth. Somehow the phone finds my cheek and my dad's voice is in my ear. What are you doing? I say. I want to yell. I want to be yelling, but my voice is thin and ready and thickening with tears. Stop it. Put it back. Julia, are you... How could you? Now I'm crying. You can't. You can't. You can't. How could you? Julia, he sounds stricken. It's the first emotion I've heard out of him since she died. Julia, please calm down. I didn't... Those are hers. My knees hit the ground. I press my forehead against the wrought... Iron bars of the fence. You never, those are hers. Juliet, his voice is hushed. I won't, I, I had no idea. He is killing me. Pain is ripping me apart. I can barely hold the phone. I hate him. I hate him for this. I hate him. I hate him, I hate him, I hate him, I hate him. Temper, Juliet. My eyes blur and the world spins and it feels like a long time before I realise I'm lying in the grass and his voice is a tinny echo shouting out of the phone. I press it to my ear. Spots flash in front of my eyes. Juliet! He is yelling. Juliet, I'm about to call 911. Answer me. I'm here. I choke. I sob. You can't. Please. I won't. He whispers. Okay, I won't. The sun keeps beating down on me, turning my tears to itchy lines in my face. Okay. I should apologise, but the words won't form. It feels like apologising for getting mad that someone drove an iron spike through your chest. My breath won't stop hitching. Do you need me to come get you? He says. No. Juliet. No. I can't leave yet. I can't go home and see all her things on the table. Put it back, I said. He hesitates. Maybe we should talk. I'm going to be sick. Put it back. I will. I will. He hesitates again. When are you going to be home? He hasn't asked me this since she died. It's the first indication I've had that he even knew I still existed. I should probably be thanking my lucky stars that he bothered to ask if I wanted any of her things. He's probably regretting the hell of sending that text message. When I'm ready... Then I end the call.